Welcome to the REI Foundation Podcast, where we cover all the steps and strategies to make your real estate dreams a reality. Now your hosts, Jason and Peely. Hey everyone, looking for lending for your next project? Well, we want to introduce you to Fund That Flip. So what is Fund That Flip? Well, Fund That Flip is fast, affordable funding for your next real estate transaction. And trust me, we know. We've used them and are using them currently for deals that we're working on flipping homes. So if you want white glove service, check out Fund That Flip for great terms, reliable service, just everything you're looking for from a funding partner. Peely, where can we find them? You can find them at fundthatflip.com backslash REI Foundation. Again, that's fundthatflip.com backslash REI Foundation. What are you waiting for? Hi, everybody, and welcome again to the Real Estate Investing Foundation podcast. Today, we have the awesome Scott Bauer. Welcome, Scott. Hey, Scott. Thank you for having me. Glad to be here today, guys. Well, a little bit about Scott, uh, Mr. Scott Bauer, as we have on his HBSB Holdings page. Uh, founded HBSC Holdings in 2014. Uh, Scott is originally a transplant from the state of Iowa, and he studied at the University of Iowa, and two weeks after graduation, moved to Arizona, where he worked in the corporate world for a short year before beginning his entrepreneurial journey into real estate. Started off in residential retail sales with Keller Williams Realty, and Scott closed over 2.2 million in volume in his first 12 months. Wow. But he realized quickly that a realtor, being a realtor wasn't for him. And since then has moved on to the investment space, flipping over 120 transactions in the past 30 months with over 15 million in volumes closed. And now with many years experience in the real estate industry, Scott has provided hundreds of Phoenix property owners with property solutions. And the number one goal of HBSB Holdings is to provide quality solutions to property sellers who feel they may not have one. Well, nice. pretty amazing. Welcome, Scott. <laughs> Thank you. Appreciate that. So pretty big jump right there, just taking off uh, after Iowa. And I, the quick thing is we'd always love to know how you got started, but why did you just make the jump to Phoenix? Yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of a long story, but certainly my feeds to my story. So I was an entrepreneur from a young, young age. I started my first company when I was a, just a junior in high school. Um, it was a car detailing company. My mom worked for John Deere Financial and she was pretty high up there, which in Iowa, John Deere uh, tractor company, the financial sector is, is pretty big. And so I leveraged her network basically to build my company. It was, it was pretty sweet. I would go pick up their car in the morning, I would detail it and have it back to, back to work for them to drive it home that night. And so they really, really enjoyed that. And, you know, being in high school doing this when I was making a few thousand dollars a week, I was, loaded right I mean it was it was awesome so um I actually met my first mentor uh through doing that and he owned a he was one of the owners in Jacobson Logistics which was at the time the third largest third-party logistics company in the country meaning that they did end-to-end -end supply chain management everything from manufacturing a product to uh, shipping that product and then storing it somewhere and so um when I was in college, I interned with that company uh, during the summertime and learned everything about it. Basically, all four four years of college um, during the summertime, I, I interned with Jacobson Companies. And after I graduated, it was basically where in the country do you want to go? Do you want to go? At the time, they were they were large. They had locations pretty much everywhere. And I went to um, pretty much had Atlanta, Georgia, 
Uh, I could go to here in Phoenix and I could go to um, uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. So obviously of the three, you know, Phoenix just stood out. I'm a car and motorcycle junkie and you know, you can do that 300 days a year here. So that's, that's how I got to Phoenix. That's nice. awesome. Good. Nice. I was wondering you didn't pick Harrisburg PA. So, but I, I kind of <laughs> get it. So yeah. that's great. Well, looking at everything you do today, what do you typically tell people when they say, Hey, Hey Scott, what do you do? So, you know, I, I own HBSP Holdings, which is a real estate investment company. And kind of like you said in the bio, um, you know, we provide solutions to people that feel like they don't have one. Uh, and we also give opportunities to other investors to, to invest alongside us uh, in the market and take, take part in the real estate industry. So, um, you know, depending on who, who's asking the question, it can be as easy as, you know, I buy and sell real estate to go into my pitch. This is what we do exactly. You know, I'm pretty much 95% of what I do now is on the wholesale basis. Uh, it really is a win-win scenario for everybody involved. And I've come to find that uh, it really mitigates the risk for me. Um, it provides a solution for home sellers that need to get out of a property quickly or don't wanna go through the hassle or the process of listing with a realtor for whatever reason, there's so many different types and also gives the investors looking for off-market deals an outlet to find those properties because their their strengths are not finding the properties themselves their strengths are going in and making them look good right so did you talking about mitigating risk is all the flipping you've been doing 120 plus transactions in the last three years have you stopped that just based on market conditions or what what's your thought process there um, well, as far as, so all of those different properties, we've actually done closer to 150 at this point, um, closer to 20 million, which is great. Um, but from, from a risk mitigation standpoint, when you're wholesaling properties, you don't have a whole lot of risk. If I'm flipping the properties and going in and fixing them up myself to turn around and resell, I have a lot of risk involved because not only do I take the property down, have the ownership in it, I also have to pay for my money. We run into issues happening with the remodel of the property to begin with. Everybody out there knows that there are bound to be issues that, that come up on flipping properties. Always. And ultimately, you know, you're, you're at the mercy of what the market's going to do as far as, you know, when you go to resell it, what's going to happen? Are we going to be in the same market that we're in now? Are things going to change? Are interest rates going to jump up now? And it's going to force home prices down. All these things are just more variables that you have to consider compared to on the wholesale basis where I don't have nearly all that to think about. That's awesome. So, so you didn't just become Scott Bauer entrepreneur, except you kind of did because <laughs> you're in high school, but we are huge on mentorship here. So you oh, mentioned yeah. one mentor. Can you name a few others or how did mentorship help you get to where you are today? Oh yes. I am a, I'm a product of mentorship and coaching. Uh, I have several of them now today um, and mastermind groups as well. I think that is one thing that separates, uh, you know, separates people from, from people at the top, you know, surrounding yourself. Napoleon Hill actually talks about it in Think, Think and Grow Rich, where if you want to, if you really want to expand what you know, you surround yourself with the people that know more than you do. Right. And I've, I've, I've just, I've, that's why I'm here. I'm a product of coaching. So First and foremost, the very first coach I ever had was Dave Lindahl. I know you know who that is because he's a multifamily mogul. And when I first got into the investment space, after I was a realtor, I joined the, the local RIA here and learned that there are other ways to make money. 
and Dave basically came and got up on stage and told his story. And I resonated a lot with it because that's had a lot of things to do with my story. So he made a, a good point. He was like, you know, if you have a single family house and your renter moves out, you have no income. But if you have a hundred unit apartment complex and 10 people move out, you're probably going to be okay. So it was like, boom, that makes so much sense. Let's do it right then. So I borrowed 11,000 bucks from my mom that I didn't have and signed up for his coaching and basically started going through his process. And through that, um, he had another event probably 90 days after I started the coaching program here in Phoenix. And one of the guys that had gone through his program lives here uh, in Phoenix and had bought 350 units, syndicated 350 units um, in actually it was, I think it was Atlanta, Georgia, uh, South Carolina and Tucson, Arizona, and got up on stage, told his story, said, you know, how he went through Dave's program and learned how to, how to buy apartments with other investors and sharing the profits. And so I was like, I got to meet this guy. So called Lindahl's office, got his phone number and blew him up for a month pretty much before he would take my call. And he finally was like, all right, what do you want? <laughs> you know, you won't leave me alone. What do you Resistance. want? Yep. So, um, went and had coffee with him. Him and I hit it off real well. And he said, you know, apartments are great. I have this other idea with single family houses. Would you want to maybe help me do this? Um, and it was basically wholesaling houses. He knew somebody in, um, in Utah that was crushing it up there, wholesaling houses. And so he was like, you know, we're in Phoenix. It's a bigger market. It only makes sense. If we just come down here and do the same thing. So both of us were very green at really what this was going to entail at the time. But I went up to uh, Salt Lake City and job shadowed these guys for four days, watched their operation, watched how they were doing it, and then came back down to Phoenix and we just did exactly what they were doing. Sent out mail, got uh, people to give us a call and find motivated sellers, locked up the properties and then turned around and sell, sold them to other investors. And it was like, hmm. this is oh, fantastic. Yeah. See, what, you, <laughs> so, what you just said right there, you, you went... You watched and then you did exactly what those successful people are doing. Too many times, new investors will make the mistake of trying to create something new or, you know, I don't know, yeah. change. Reinvent the wheel. Yeah, reinvent the wheel. Thank you. <laughs> but really, all you have to do is find that successful person, take what they're doing, and copy it. Yeah, there, there was another point in there. So when you first had that meeting with that individual, what what was it that you brought to the table that made them say that they want to partner with you? Because uh -huh. a lot of people have these meetings, right? And you go into a meeting and maybe you're just asking, but, but what are you, what were you giving back there? What's a good what was your value that you add? give to others just when they are trying to get that meeting with a possible mentor? So, you know, you make up a big point. If you ever want anything, you have to start by giving, right? Because until, if you just go take, take, take always, you're not going to get what you want. You're not going to go where you need to go. So my proposition to him was like, basically, listen, I'm hungry. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do whatever you need me to do. Just let me utilize you, your experience. You know, I'm a hustler. I'm ready to go. So what do you need? You know, let me do it. And so that's what happened. And ultimately why him and I ended up separating from each other is because, I mean, I did everything. I took uh, he basically paid for the mailers to go out and I did everything else after that. So 
Uh, I took all of the phone calls. I comped all the properties, looked at all the properties, went on all the appointments, ultimately got all of the contracts for the deals, and then ultimately found all the buyers because he had a few buyers that he'd known because he'd flipped, actually fixed and flipped several properties, but he didn't really have a buyer's list. And so I scoured Craigslist. I went to the RIA meetings. I found people that we could sell properties to. And after about six months, I was realizing that I was doing all the work and I was getting shafted on the money. So <clears throat> that was, uh, you know, a good learning experience for me and for him, I think as well, that uh, I need to go do this on my own. And so um, it was July of 2015 when I, him and I separated from each other. And that was the start of HBSP holdings and really the start of the explosion. <laughs> That's great. So, nice. so fast forwarding, how has your business evolved and what does your business look like today? So the business continues to evolve constantly from a deal standpoint. Um, you know, I've doubled the revenue that we've done year after year for the last four years, which is really exciting. Um, and it looks like it's going to be that way again this year, which is even more exciting. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been a one man show, really, I've utilized technology to get to where I'm at now. And now I'm at a place where I need to start using people. So I have a full time assistant now that does so much for me. And that's taken so much off the plate, uh, as well as another sales guy that's just going with me to, to lock up more deals and ultimately sell more deals. So how are you using technology to at least get yourself going? What are some so, hacks? One of my good friends, his name is Dan Schwartz, and he started a company called Investor Fuse. Are you familiar with Investor Fuse? Yes, we, we use it. it. Yep. Okay. All right. So I was the very first person to use that system. Yes. Um, I was, uh, Dan and I were actually part of Collective Genius, uh, another mastermind group that, and that's where I met Dan originally. And he was working with Joe McCall on doing another CRM, basically, that was called Real Automation Biz which was a system based on Podio that had several third-party connections to it that made everything automate. Well, the problem with that was that you had all these third-party sites. So if something was to go wrong with one of them, you'd have to kind of not only be on the phone with the support group for that specific company, but figure out why it's going wrong with Podio, why maybe this going wrong with this third-party system is affecting the other third-party system and it was just a mess sounds daunting just on any any part of it sounds hard <laughs> yeah it was not good so i wasn't really i wasn't on the development side but i was just using it and this is one of the major problems so he said you know what i'm gonna go do this on my own i'm gonna go bring this in-house i'm gonna make everything one one platform and it's gonna be awesome so he said, do you want to be, do, do you want to help me build it and test it and see if it's going to work? You know? And so I signed up for that and we went to work. We basically took, um, I just let my system run and let all of my stuff happen. And as problems came up, we went to the, to the developers and said, this doesn't work or this does work. And, you know, we made it what it is today. And so, uh, it's been a really cool ride to see that and to watch the growth for him. And ultimately that system has allowed me to build, to uh, a half million dollars in, in revenue by myself um, in, you know, using technology with, with, with that service. Nice. Well, let's yeah. talk a little bit about the future because you're, you basically said you're a one man show until fairly recently. So how are you growing your business and what does your business look like in about five years? Well, and even let's take that one step further. You're doing this all yourself and a lot of people have a hard time letting it go. What was the trigger? You said, okay, let's, let's get some other people to help out here. There we go. Oh, it's, um, yeah, the, the, that has 
that is the big thing that's a problem for any entrepreneur. You don't want to let go of control. It's very hard to say, you know, to let go of what you're good at or what you've built, period. doesn't matter. I struggle with that still today. Um, and the ultimate thing is, listen, I don't want to do this. I work very, very hard, but I can't do that forever. And I've done it for long enough. And we've done enough transactions and it's been repetitive enough that I know I can teach somebody else how to do it. And if I can just replicate 85% of myself on other people, then, you know, not only can I make them successful, but ultimately it's going to, it's going to help me build as well. So, um, you know, the assistant is super important. You have to have somebody out there that, that is going to assist with what you're doing. I tried to keep the notion, like focus on what you're good at and outsource the rest. So that's basically what I've done. I mean, you know, when I say, I'm a one man show. It's not hundred percent true because there's other people that, that are involved. For instance, all of my marketing is outsourced. So, uh, to an extent, I basically provide lists that I pull every month and then the mail house takes it over from there. And it's just a private guy here in Phoenix, but him and I have worked together for the last four years and have built up to where we send 20,000 mail pieces a month. And it's very, I mean, it's, it's pretty, pretty easy. We have a doubt. Um, and then all the dispositions of my properties last year basically went through one guy. So him and I, he had a massive distribution list. He's a big investor here in Phoenix, one of the largest, if not the largest. And um, him and I basically just worked together. So I would focus on the acquisition of the asset and then he would worry about dis dispositions. And it worked out very well because one, as soon as I got a property in and got the, the contract back, I knew that it was time to go find another one. I didn't have to worry about going to find a buyer and dealing with scheduling with appointments and doing all of that stuff. He would handle that. So although he didn't work for me directly, that was a uh, partnership, so to speak, that uh, I wouldn't have been able to achieve what I did without that. Got it. That's great. I like that relationship. Yeah, that's huge. I think uh, that that's a good point is that you were leveraging a lot of other people because it, it can be a very big, difficult step for you to set basically figure out what you need. But if you start realizing, just focusing on what you're best at and what you like doing, that, that can be a really awesome scalable tactic. So kudos, yeah. man. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. the same thing goes with, you know, title company. That's super important as well. And making sure that you have a good title agent and good title company that you can rely on. Um, that's somebody that knows what you're doing, what your company is about and what you're trying to accomplish is really important. Uh, and I've thankfully found that here in Phoenix, you know, same thing goes with an attorney and making sure that you have all the key pieces in place, you know, make sure you have those relationships, even though it's a one man show, it's, it's not a one man show. I mean, that's just not, not what it is. So what's some, what's some important questions you would ask a lawyer or title person? I don't think we focused on that at all. So making sure that they understand what it is that you're doing. So running basically a wholesale business, that means that we're not, we're not necessarily closing on every property. Are they, are they good with double escrowing? Are they good with assignments? Are they good with making sure that they understand how the wholesale process works? You know, what are their rates and what do they give for investors that are doing high volume? Because for a title company, if you're running, you know, five to 10 properties through them a month, you should get a break period. Right. Um, and you know, just making sure that they understand and everybody understands what you're doing and what they can do to help you. You know, that's important. Nice. Awesome. So it sounds to me like you're trying to scale up. What, what are you trying to scale up to? What's the future look like? So this year is we're doubling business again. So a million dollars in revenue, which um, we're already 
uh, already a third of the way there. So we're ahead, uh, nice. which is good, but, um, you know, adding people. So adding a disp or another acquisitions guy, which I've already brought on board. He hasn't, he's very new. So I'm not, it hasn't even been 90 days yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to really work with him to make sure that he understands how to do this, this business. And ultimately, like I said, how can I empower him to basically replicate what I'm doing at least 85% so that, you know, I can make him money and ultimately it's going to make me money. Right. Um, and just bringing, bringing people on board as I feel fit. I don't want to put too many people in place too quickly. Um, I think that's how a lot of people fail. Uh, you know, you get too big of a ship and you can't handle it. I try to stay as lean as I can and, you know, utilize the strengths for both me and Matt, which is the new guy as well as my assistant as much as we can and just see where it goes. That's great. What's your favorite deal you've done to date? <laughs> so the only reason it's my favorite deal is because it opened my eyes to what this business is. So the very, I think it was like the second month that I, it was January is when I contracted the deal or it was right after Christmas or during the Christmas month or week. I'm sorry, because nobody was really working and I got this random phone call and this lady was like, Hey, and we need to sell this property. So, you know, can you come over here today? It was like the 23rd or 24th. Right. And I just happened to be in Phoenix. So I was like, yeah, I'm there, you know, and I went over there and contracted the property and sold it for $42,000. And at the time, my first salary I ever had the first year that I worked was 38,000. So the fact that I was able to contract and sell this property, this piece of paper, this, you know, whatever, and make $42,000. I was, you know, that was like this, I'm in, I'm in forever. You know, I'm going to yeah. do this for a long time. So, um, that was my favorite deal. I think so, so far. And it's very Christmas. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. fantastic. So, yeah. I want to detour a little bit because you said an interesting point before you started taping is that your, your dad is also wholesaling and flipping yeah. in Iowa. Now, is that a responded of what you're doing and, and is he following your steps or, or dads do what dads do and figuring out their own way? Yeah, no, he's definitely following my steps and there I'm trying go. to lead him down the path. Um, nice. You know, I think the realization for him when I told him, you know, we made a half million dollars last year, it was, he was like, I need, I, I need in, you know, this is, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he, he, he's been in sales, you know, I'm obviously half of half him. So I come from him. He, I inherited his strengths and weaknesses as well. So I know that he can do this. If I can do it, he can. And because he's been in corporate America for so long, I think that corporate America really drug him down um, as it does for a lot of people. You know, you just, you work for the man and you don't control your time and you don't get the opportunity to show what your strengths are because you're put in this little box that this is your job. This is your role. This is how much you're getting paid and this is how much you have to work. That's it. It's not safe. Your job can go. I mean, he lost several jobs over his years that, you know, he thought were safe and secure. But the reality is that that is further from the truth. I mean, the most safe and secure you're ever going to find is in entrepreneurship because you, it's up to you. When things fail, it's because of you. It's not because of anybody else. It's because of what you did. And so, um, you know, having him realize that he actually just got his first deal and just got his first deal, his check, nice. uh, after awesome. 60 days in the, in the business, that's it. 60 days. And Huge. he made, he made 10 grand. So, 
I mean, I can't be more proud. Yeah. Wow, what an amazing give back to your parents because we all want to give back to our parents, but you were, you're able to like actually give a business to your father. Mm -hmm. That's mind blowing. I love it. What, What are you doing right now to actively improve in your business? Well, so uh, there's a couple different things as far as I just started my own podcast as well. It's called hashtag invest this. And, um, you know, that is another way for me to give back to to my listeners. I'm a big product of listening to podcasts and I read a lot of books and listen to a lot of books on tape everywhere I go. I'm listening to something. And so if I can, you know, very similar to this interaction, if I can uh, provide people with an avenue to learn while they're in a car ride for, you know, a short 25 or 30 minute podcast episode, I'm giving back, you know? And so that's, that's why I started that, um, bringing people on board and just making sure that I utilize the people that I have. So utilizing Matt and utilizing the assistant as much as possible to continue to grow, um, I think is huge. And then I want to get back into apartment syndication. Um, we're actually marketing right now for some apartments here in Phoenix, um, 10 to hundred units. So it's kind of a vast range, but we're looking for, uh, properties that are 85%, uh, in economic occupancy that have value add opportunities. And we're going to, I have some investors on board and, um, you know, I mean, it, it's kind of, it's no different than what I'm doing now. It's just a, a different product, right? Let's talk about what you said there. Cause you said 85% economic big or occupancy so talk to that and how does that differ than just 85 percent occupied so economic occupancy which is a very big distinction because if they're not that means that they're paying their rent if they're not paying their rent that it can be occupied but it's not money coming in the door right so that is i I don't i don't care if they're 85 percent occupied but only 50 percent are paying then it doesn't do me any good right so that's what I want to see. I want to see the 85% of the people that are occupied in that property are paying the rent Got at it. least. And why are you choosing 85, not 90, not 80? Um, one of my coaches and mentors, uh, Joe Fairless, uh, you may or may not know Joe Fairless. Yes, uh, he, you know Joe. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yep. So he, um, this is like three years ago. And actually based on your question before asking what some of my coaches and mentors are, he's one of them. And so, um, that was in a podcast episode or a recording something I saw on YouTube of his probably a year and a half ago or two years ago with bigger pockets. He basically said that. And I was like, duh, that makes so much sense. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's an important key distinction. I think people need to understand about when they're looking for, if you're looking for apartments, you need to make sure it's economic occupancy and not just occupancy. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very important, especially if you see a seller selling and if you look at his rent roll and he's just pushed a lot of people into the apartments right before he's about to sell or list it, be careful because you're noting that he's or she is not properly vetting their tenants and just trying to get the occupancy up to really help on the sale. So yeah, note out there for sure. But yeah, good point. Thank you for that. Yep. So what do you think is the biggest challenge you're facing getting into the multifamily aspect of real estate? Psychological really is what it is. Um, you know, and I think that's, that's the reality for most everybody out there. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you're just getting started or whether you're trying to take it to the next level. It's not the how to, because there's more literature, there's more, I mean, with the internet today, you can learn anything you want to learn about anything. If you go to Google and it'll tell you step-by-step how to do it. But if you're not psychologically there and you can't psychologically get out of your own head and get away from whatever mind blocks you have, you're not going to get there. 
Um, what's one, some of the limiting or what's some of the hurdles you're dealing with right now that for that? Yeah, just, what are your limiting yeah, beliefs? Yeah, because a lot of people I'm sure have the same ones. Well, I mean, it's really just doing it. So now we're marketing for it and uh, like actively right now, reaching out to all the brokers in town, letting them know what product I'm looking for. Cool. I have some capital that is behind me now so that when we find the product, we're ready to go. It's just going through the motion. Um, I think that for the longest time, it's been so much time has been emphasized on my single family business that I haven't had. I mean, we all have the 168 hours in a week, right? We all have the same 365 days a year, but you can only have that much time. And so if I spend 10 or 12 hours a day on my single family business, that doesn't leave me much time to focus on the multifamily. And so, you know, once again, this is what kind of bringing more people on to take some more off my plate so I can focus more on the multifamily will do. And that's where I'm going. That's great. Fantastic. And that's, that was such great advice for any, because we know a lot of fix and flippers wholesalers that are trying to get into the multifamily arena and they just, they either can't get over their mindset or they can't make the time, but here you are, you're scaling up your flipping business, getting into the multifamily arena. I mean, it's all golden. Yeah, I love it. And so if you look right now, if you were to talk to a new real estate investor who was, is you basically a few years ago, what would be an actual step to, to tell them to just get started today? So first and foremost, take action. I mean, that is, that is the number one thing that most people fail to do when they're getting started is you must take action. Do not think that you're going to know everything before you take action because that's how you learn is you take action, you make mistakes and then you take a different route. You learn from your mistake and you keep going. Um, so many people give up, you know, that's the other thing. Uh, one of the, one of the things that always sticks in my mind is that if you never give up, you never fail. The minute that you throw in the towel, then you fail. But as long as you keep getting back up and you keep charging at it and you try something that didn't work before you're, you're going to succeed over time. Um, and so many people, when things don't go quite the way that they thought they were going to, or they flip a deal and they don't maybe make as much money or they're, uh, maybe they lose money, whatever it may be, they say, oh, this doesn't work. Or there's no deals in this market here in Phoenix. That's so popular. They're like, oh, there's no deals here. Inventory's low. There's no deals here. Well, I'm finding deals every day. So I don't know what I got that's so special, but it's just that I don't give up. I don't care when marketing goes out and things you know, I don't get the response rate or I don't get the deals that month that I thought I was going to, then I up the marketing next month because I know that it's going to come back full circle. Um, I know that it doesn't, I mean, it just does not matter what happens. I will never give up. I, you know, it's kind of cliche or whatever you want to call it, but you know, I'll die before I stop what I'm doing. You know, I will never work for somebody and be an employee ever in my life again. Like I will, I will succeed at this or I will die trying. And I think that's the mindset you have to have or else, you know, you probably aren't fit for this job or for this business. That's great. Those are great words of wisdom. And that was going to be one of my next questions. What are, what are words that you live by? That, I mean, that certainly is it, you know, just don't give up, you know, don't, don't, don't quit. Um, have faith in yourself, invest in yourself. If anybody can do it, you can. Uh, and you know, never let anybody else tell you that you can't because the people that try to tell you that you can't do something are the ones that have inner problems with themselves. And, um, you know, I would say it is important. 
uh, to surround yourself with the right people and to invest in yourself, meaning go out and spend money on a good coach, find somebody that has seen success or is successful in whatever realm or whatever you want to be in and hire them, pay them, tell them, you know, say, Hey, I want to be like you. So what do I need to do to make that happen? And if you do that, you will find success. It's almost inevitable. I mean, of course you got to put the work in, but you know, that's the fun part. That's great. Do you have, uh, do you have a morning routine? Oh yeah. Very, very routined, very routine. And it's, it's something I think that, um, it's a, it's a high performance routine, you know, for people that are high, high performers, uh, you have to have that and happy to share that. So I wake up every day at four fifty on the, on the dot. Um, and from four fifty until six, I get up, drink water, like right away, I drink eight ounces of water, whatever, and then meditate in the morning, um, get myself pumped up and ready for the gym, six o'clock, the gym, six to seven, I'm a CrossFitter. Uh, so the, those are, those are out there that, whatever think about CrossFit. It is, it is awesome. Um, but from six to seven, I'm in CrossFit. When I get back, I always do 20 minutes of reading. So I'm always reading something. And I think that, you know, not only do you want to move your body, but you want to move your mind first thing in the morning and get yourself psyched up and ready to go for that day. So, um, spend 20 minutes now. Um, so I'm reading a couple of different books, uh, right now, actually, um, it's called a new earth. Uh, where there's an individual named Eckhart Tolle. Um, that is, it's not a spiritual reading at all. Uh, but it's, it's, it's awakening to, um, do you ever, do you know the, the voice in your head that is always talking and it is always rambling and it always says something, no matter what, even if you try to be quiet and you sit there in silence, your mind is moving. Oh, yeah. meditation and, and, you know, kind of awakening yourself to realizing that that voice in your head is not you talking. That is your ego talking. That is your, that is you, basically I'm, I'm training my mind to be able to sit in the background and watch everything around it happen without being judgmental, without being, um, what's the word without really just watching. And it's, it's really empowering. It's very hard to explain because um, for the general person that maybe doesn't meditate, this is like, what are you talking about, man? But it's been a game changer for me, not only to be able to uh, deal with anything that happens in the, throughout the day when a deal goes bad or something doesn't work the way you spoke, you know, you thought it was going to, to be able to cope with that and be able to keep moving forward and, and not quit, not let it affect you because you understand that this is just the world working and this is just how things are going to go. And tomorrow the deal fell through today, but tomorrow I'm going to pick up two new ones or, you know, as long as I don't quit, you know, it's things will work out. And I don't think that, um, I think, I think that there's people, the world is changing or it's becoming an awakened society and the people that are at the top will all attest to it. That's great. Well, what a great mindset. That was incredible. Yeah. So at that point, I think we'd love to just see how is the best way for others to connect with you. Maybe they're looking to get on your buyer's list. They want to hear a little bit more about your story or just reach out. Yeah, absolutely. Go to hbsbholdings.com. There's a contact contact us page um, on all the social medias, of course, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, everywhere you can reach me. Um, 
and you know, send me an email if you'd like. It's scott.bauer at hbsbholdings.com. Happy to you know help out in any way I can with anybody out there. Incredible. Well, thank you so very much, Scott, for being on our show. This has been enlightening on so many different levels. And we'd love to have you over again, especially when you get your first uh, multifamily property. Yeah, we'd That's... love to dissect that and, and uh, see where that lands. And it'll be quickly. So, so probably give you a month <laughs> yeah. at your pace right so here. So I should so. schedule you now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So good, yeah, man. Love, Exciting times. It. Appreciate it for sure. Definitely. Awesome. And um, yeah, I look forward to staying in touch. Sounds great. Awesome. Well, thank you again, Scott. And thank you to everyone who's been listening today. So this is the Real Estate Investing Foundation with Jason and Peely. Thank you again. So grateful to you for listening. Bye now. So fund that flip. You've heard of them before. We had the founder, Matt Rodak, back in the show of episode 139. And some exciting news happening over at Fund That Flip. They now have funding for your two, three, and four family rentals. So if you're looking for fast, reliable, easy to work with funding for all of your real estate needs, and now for two, three, and four family rentals, where can we find them? You can find them at fundthatflip.com backslash the REI Foundation. Again, that was fundthatflip.com backslash the REI Foundation. Thanks for tuning into the REI Foundation podcast. Check back next time for more awesome tips and strategies to launch your new you in real estate.